Thank you for tuning in this morning to the worship broadcast of Bowglade Alliance Church. Bowglade Alliance Church is located at 425 East Canal Street North in Bowglade uh, with live worship services every Sunday at 11 a.m. For more information, visit us online at www.bowgladealliance.org. Now let's join Pastor Kevin for this morning's message. Christmas is just... I was thinking about this this week. I don't think there's another time of year that's as special as Christmas time, right? I mean, I'm talking about across the whole society. When you think about the things you look forward to, I remember growing up, I looked forward to birthdays. I looked forward to every holiday that closed school. Sorry, teachers, it's true. Um, There are things I looked forward to, right? But Christmas, most of all. You know, it doesn't really matter whether we're talking specifically about Christian Christmas celebration or the larger societal, cultural Christmas celebration. This time of year, with the lights and the decorations and the music and the food and the family and the presents, and the, it is all about celebration. And that is appropriate. Because as we're going to see today in our passage of scripture of the Christmas story, as the angels pronounce that Jesus has come, this is good news. And it ought to bring great joy. And so whether people recognize it or not, the whole celebration of Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas, is all about the best news in the whole world that if you would just understand it and receive it, it will give you joy unimaginable forever. And so it's a wonderful thing to celebrate Christmas, and I'm glad we have the opportunity to do that together as a church family. Well, our Christmas passage today is Luke chapter 2, starting in the first verse. If you have a Bible in front of you, you're welcome to turn there, but if you don't, it will also be up on the screen. And so here's what it says in Luke chapter 2. Uh, starting in the first verse. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, as I would be as well. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, 
The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Wonderful story. I'm sure you hear it every single Christmas. If not from the pulpit, I guarantee you Linus says it, and you hear it uh, in Charlie Brown's Christmas. Because, hey, that's just the staple of this time of year that I personally appreciate, and I hope you do as well. But this is the Christmas story, and so God is demonstrating his faithfulness. Uh, Mary and Joseph had already been informed by the angels that, that she was going to conceive by means of the Holy Spirit, and her son that was to be born is going to be the son of God and the son of David, coming through that line, a descendant of the line of King David and the very son of God. And just as promised, we see the evening of Jesus's birth. And the angels, this is what I want to focus on together today. Because what the angels say about all that's taken place, what the angels say about this child that's born, what the angels are summing up, if you will, from all that Jesus is and all that Jesus will accomplish, he says that the fact that Jesus is born, this birth announcement is good news. And it will be cause great joy for all the people. And so I want to take a look at that together today because let's be honest, we don't want to sugarcoat things just for Christmas, right? Was it truly received as good news? Did it truly cause great joy? And so I want to take a look at this together today because if we're being honest as we read through the scriptures, as we even look 2,000 years later, People are divided on this issue. And people were divided on this issue even in Jesus' day. Who he claimed to be, what he did, was it good news that brought great joy or not? And I want to investigate that together today because on Christmas we celebrate this good news. Do we have reason to celebrate? But first let's take a look at just some of the examples of those who did see it as good news and for them it brought great joy. We see that just a few days after Jesus' birth, or just a short time after Jesus' birth, rather, uh, Jesus was presented at the temple, and we're introduced to two individuals in Luke's gospel who, when they saw Jesus, they recognized the promise of God fulfilled in this child, and that's Simeon and Anna. And so we see that in, in Luke's gospel. There were those, as Jesus grew up, as Jesus began his ministry, there were those that were clearly amazed at Jesus' powerful teaching, his authoritative teaching. His teaching was, that was even more authoritative and more powerful than those religious leaders that they had followed so closely behind. There was something amazing about Jesus, and so he drew crowds to him quite easily as he went. There, of course, were those who were healed, those who were raised from the dead, those who, were, who had... Uh, freedom from demon possession, those who, 
who in so many different ways were the recipients of the power of God demonstrated through Jesus. And of course, their family members and their friends and all who were around and amazed at what had taken place as Jesus demonstrated uh, miracles and blessed people through them. And of course, there were those who followed him. There were his disciples. There were his apostles. There were those who clearly followed after Jesus because he was the good news and he brought great joy and he promised great joy for the future. But there were also those who didn't find Jesus to be good news and, it didn't, and they didn't experience great joy. Just some of them in the gospels we see are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were often in conflict with Jesus. When Jesus moved from Galilee down to Jerusalem, ultimately to go to his death, he found the same thing among many of the priests and even the Jewish ruling council of the Sanhedrin. And there were, of course, the many who along the way throughout Jesus's ministry heard or saw and chose not to respond. Certainly, they weren't recipients of this good news. They didn't see great joy coming from Jesus. And of course, there was the Romans too, complicit in Jesus's death. I'm sure they didn't find Jesus to be good news or to bring great joy. And again, even to this very day, there are those who find Jesus is coming to be good news and has brought great joy and those who have not. And while Luke's gospel focuses in on this very important pronouncement from the angels, the significance of what Jesus is coming means, John's gospel provides both sides, perhaps, of the equation in John 1, verses 9 through 13, which will be up on the screen. Here's what John says in his introduction uh, to his gospel. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And so John is saying there are two groups of people. And if we're being honest, looking at what John is saying, the vast majority did not receive him. They did not recognize him. They did not acknowledge him. They did not see or experience Jesus' coming as good news that brought great joy. But to those that did, they received exactly what the angels had pronounced Jesus to be. And so when we see the angels speaking to the shepherds in Israel 2,000 years ago, we can think of it perhaps in two different contexts. Jesus was coming to a specific people group, to the Jewish people, to Israel. And then he was also coming for the world. He was saving the entire world through himself and through the Jewish people. And so I want to kind of show the good news for both that specific people group that had been in covenant with God, that had received the promises that Jesus was coming, and then for the whole world. In Luke 2, 11, the angel's pronouncement, he says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And Jesus meant a lot of things to that very specific people group, God's covenant people for centuries and centuries and centuries. He is the restoration of King David's dynasty. If you read through the Old Testament, uh, 
King David was a man after God's own heart. King David is the one that God said that your dynasty will never end. And it is, it is through that Davidic dynasty that Israel will be blessed throughout history. But at Jesus' time, it had been a couple centuries already since the last king in the line of David had reigned in Israel. And the prophets prophesied that God is going to restore this line and bless Israel through this king in the line of David. And Jesus himself is the fulfillment of that promise. And so the angel is saying, here is the one. Here is the Messiah. Here is the one in David's line who will come and reign and restore God's promise to Israel. And Jesus' reign as king, we see through the prophets, is one of peace. You know, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, it wasn't a time of peace. Israel lived under the oppression of the Roman Empire. Israel was hated by many of the nations. They had a very bloody past leading up to there um, with many of the nations, and they desperately desired peace. And all the promises of this king to come is that their, his reign would be one of peace. And the angel is saying, here it is in Jesus Jesus is the one that will guarantee an end to Israel's domination by foreign powers. Jesus is the one that will usher in the end of days when God will restore all things. And while these fulfillments have not yet taken place, this is what we look forward to when Jesus comes again. His coming 2,000 years ago that we celebrate at Christmas makes all of that possible. And yet we see the human response, the divided response over Jesus, even among that specific people group of Israel. Again, John 1.11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Who was his own? He came to the very Jewish people that God had been in covenant with, who God had made promises to, who, Jesus, who should have expected and been the most excited and ready when Jesus came. And yet some were, but most were not. But you know what? Jesus wasn't just good news for the Jewish people. Jesus' coming was good news that should bring great joy for all peoples on earth. Luke 2.10 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And why is that? Because Jesus is not just the one coming specifically to reign as king in Israel, to undo the, the harm, to bring in a time of peace, but also the one who will undo the results of the fall that affects all of us. Because long before God made a covenant with uh, Abraham, the, the patriarch of the Jewish people, the father of Israel, all of humanity was separated from God because of sin that started at the very beginning with our first parents, Adam and Eve. And Jesus comes to provide a solution to that problem and undo the results of the fall. Jesus is the one who would die on a cross as an atonement for sin, taking your sin and my sin upon himself and paying the price, taking the consequences that you and I deserve so that we can be reconciled to God. Jesus is the one who will reconcile people from all nations to God. You know, yes, for centuries, God covenanted with a specific people group, a people group that was meant to be the vehicle through which all people on earth would be saved. And now, because of God's plan, he's been working throughout history. Salvation is offered and open to all people and all can hear and respond to the gospel. 
And yet, of course, you know, John provides this in John 1, 9 through 10, the, the truth of the divided response to Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And so, you know, he's not just the God of Israel, he's the God of the whole world. We all exist, we live upon the earth, we breathe the air, we, we, we enjoy the, the world that God has established and God upholds for us. And yet, when he came into the world, the world didn't recognize him. The world didn't regard him. The God who created all things and all people is not acknowledged by many, most, if you will, of people who live in the world. But here's the part I want to focus on today. Here's the part that makes Christmas worth celebrating, that there are those who did receive him. Here's what John says in John 1, 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And this is good news that brings great joy. Why? Because all of humanity was separated from God because of sin. Because every last person, no matter how young, no matter how old, no matter where they live in the world, no matter what language they speak, every last one of us has fallen short of God's standard of holiness. Every single one of us has transgressed our King, our Lord, our God on many different levels. I know for me, I can, I can hardly go an hour without realizing that I have sinned against the Lord in some way, whether it was a thought, whether it was a word, whether it was an action. There's just something in me that while God is fixing it, and one day I'll be done with it, I still wrestle with now. And if you're being honest, you probably have the same story. In fact, I know that you do, whether you're ready to acknowledge it or not. All of us have fallen short. All of us sin. All of us do wrong things. And because of that, all of us deserve the consequences of those actions. You know, I raised two kids. Raise your hand if you're a parent. Yes. Did you have the perfect ones? I, I love you boys, but I didn't have the perfect ones. I had the ones that messed up sometimes, and I had to, had to be some discipline. Did you have the no. All of them. Why do we do that as parents? Why do we discipline our children? Because they do something wrong, and there has to be a consequence, right? For justice to prevail, for people to be uh, trained, for people to do better, right? There has to be consequence. There has to be accountability for how we live. And so the same is true with the way that we live in regards to our God, who is the one who established the whole world, who we are ultimately accountable to. And so because all of us have fallen short, all of us have sinned, we all have the just judgment upon us. And yet God loved us so much that he didn't want us to suffer the consequences of our own actions. He didn't want us to be destined to be separated from him because of our sin. And out of his love, out of his mercy, he did everything that was necessary in order to provide for us grace. Now, punishment still has to take place, right? Justice still has to be served, otherwise God would be unjust. And so Jesus came to die on a cross, taking the punishment upon himself. So the punishment is still served, but not to you and not to me, but to him. And if we commit to him as Lord, 
if we believe that God sent him to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again from the dead so that we can have right standing before God, the Bible says that we are saved. Here's what he says in John 3, 16 to 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You know, at this time of year especially, we remember that God is faithful to his promises. And if you read back through the Old Testament, God promised over and over and over again from Genesis 3 all the way on that he would bring a solution to man's problem of sin that he would be able to extend grace and restore. And he does that in Jesus. Because what we see in John 3, 16 to 18 is this, that God is not that one waiting to smite you, but God loves us so much that when we incurred the wrath of God, the consequences of justice upon ourselves because what we've done, God didn't want to sit idly by and watch us take the consequences of our actions. And so he intervened out of his love, sending his son to take our penalty so that we could be redeemed. Verse 17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is no longer condemned. Anybody who doesn't, it's not that God's condemning us for not believing in Jesus. It's that we keep the condemnation that God wished to rescue us from because we haven't availed ourselves of the gift of grace he's offered us in Jesus Christ. But for those who do, we receive complete 100% forgiveness, reconciliation with God, life from death, hope for this life and for all of eternity, and the best is still yet to come when Jesus returns. Again, Luke 2, 10 through 11, that the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. And so we see God's faithfulness. You know, I, I said this last week to those of you who were here, you know, God made promises to Israel for well over a thousand years. And he repeated them over and over and over again. And I'm sure about by the time of Jesus, it's like, come on. Is he ever going to come? Is God ever going to make good on these promises? He keeps reiterating over and over again. Where is this king? Where is this savior? And yet at just the right time, God brought Jesus in fulfillment of his promises. I know there are many, both Christians and non-Christians, who wonder, well, Jesus came 2,000 years ago and said he was going to come again. Where is he? And yet what we learn about God from Christmas is this, that God is faithful. And at just the right time, not our, not our time, but the right time, he will send the fulfillment of his promises. He will send Jesus. And so the great news about Christmas is this, that Jesus has come and he will come again. And if we are ready for that, then it should bring us great joy because it doesn't matter what goes on in this world. 
what hardships we face, what's happening outdoors, the threats that are impending against us. Nothing matters, ultimately, apart from this, that Jesus is coming again, and God will bless his people and be with us forever and ever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas.